it's definitely a, a juggle and it's, I don't know, I think it's more fulfilling because it's kind of cool to like go on a climbing trip and then come home and like be working on cool projects with Alpine Start. Oh, it's not sending 514, but like, you know, launching a new product, getting your hands dirty, like trying to create a new product is a, it's its own fulfilling thing. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we talk to athletes, adventurers, and business owners from around the world of adventure sports. Whether you're climbing Mount Everest, starting a bike shop, or getting up off your couch to take your kids hiking for the first time, we want you to have the motivation and inspiration you need to chase that next adventure. The Adventure Sports Podcast is brought to you by Camp Crate, the leaders in fully planned self-guided backpacking adventures, as well as backpacking gear rental. You can check them out at campcrate.net. I learned a very interesting fact over the weekend, and it is, it's going to sound crazy, it's going to sound backwards, but we have 10 times as many trees on Earth as there are stars in the Milky Way galaxy. That's about, you know, a lot of scientists agree there's around 300 billion stars in the Milky Way. And some estimates have come out saying that there's around 3 trillion trees on Earth, which is mind-blowing, which is, you know, they're obviously estimates, but of course, but the even if they were really, really wrong, the fact is, even estimated it's 10 times as many trees on Earth. So just the fact that there are more trees on Earth than there are stars in the Milky Way, that blows my mind itself. And if you don't believe me, just look it up. You know, it's maybe it's proven wrong later, but I thought it was really awesome. That's so cool to me, and I just really liked it. Anyway, that has nothing to do with the podcast today. Uh, Today we are talking to Matt Siegel. He is a professional climber, North Face athlete, if you're in the climbing world, I'm sure you heard his name. He's done a lot of amazing things, but we're not talking about his climbing career as much as we're talking about um, how he, well, early on, his early life, as well as he started a company a few years ago called Alpine Start Coffee, and we use it in our camp crates. We send to every customer, we send them some of this coffee to use because it's perfect for the backcountry. But how the transition was for Matt to go from professional climbing to the business world and to kind of balance those two because he still does both of them pretty and he's pretty you know carefree guy probably never saw himself as a business owner so it's cool to see him doing so well in this market so i hope you enjoy the conversation Uh, it was a lot of fun and uh today's sponsors are athletic brewing they make i've said it before they make the best non-alcoholic craft beer I could have used some the last time I had some craft beer because I did not agree with it, and it it was not pleasant. <laughs> so I wish I could have, uh, instead of drinking full strength, I could have had something a little lighter to go with. They are also funding our Adventure Sports Podcast Adventure Grant. If you've got someone you know doing an adventure this year, 1000 bucks we're giving away. Applications open to June 15th, or June 1st, I'm sorry open June 1st. We're announcing on the show June 15th who won. It's going to be awesome. And also CS Instant Coffee. They make 100% Arabica coffee in compostable packaging. So it completely breaks down. The Alpine Start does not do that. So boom, take that Alpine Start. Now I'm just playing. (laughs) Both great companies, um, both making incredible products. 
and also a new sponsor, The Nomadic. They send subscription boxes for outdoor enthusiasts by outdoor enthusiasts, and we're actually giving away three-month subscription boxes, I think three of those, to some people that sign up. So sign up. Uh, The link's in our show notes, and you could have three months of a free subscription box filled with outdoor gear picked by outdoor enthusiasts. And uh, yeah, sign up for that. It'd be awesome if you won. Anyway, let's get into this episode. So, uh, hey, everybody, welcome to today's show. Uh, today we have Matt Siegel. He's he's a climber. Uh, a lot of people know him from that. He's also done some films, which are really funny, and uh, some cool projects there. He loves to ski, and if you've ever had Alpine Start Coffee, uh, he is, is it, are you the co-founder of that, Matt? Yeah. Okay. I'm the co-founder, yeah. Perfect. All right, well, welcome to the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me today. I'm in Colorado here. It's pretty snowy. Oh, yeah. Are you, where are you at in Colorado? I live in Boulder. Oh, so cool. So we just got like over a foot of snow yesterday. It was pretty good. And <laughs> You know, I, I know you're from Florida, and uh, <laughs> I am too. <laughs> and so I want to hear about like, how did that go for you? And how did you end up doing what you do now out here in the mountains? Yeah, totally. I mean, I feel like I basically had kind of a, the modern rock climber story where I started climbing in the gym in Florida. Uh, I was about a teenager, started climbing when I was like 12, got way into competition climbing to start. Um, so I guess, okay, to take a step back, I went to a, a camp in North Carolina where I'd experienced rock climbing first, um, when I was like probably like nine or 10. Uh, and one summer came home and from camp all fired up and they had built a gym in Miami. So immediately I started climbing at the climbing gym. Uh, and then from there obviously got into competitions because, you know, when all you have is a gym in Florida, that's like, that's what you do. You go and you train and, you know, you do comps. And, um, for me, uh, at such a young age, uh, and being in Florida, it was kind of a balance of, you know, being good at it pretty right away and then starting to train um, a lot. I kind of had a lot of early successes in the competition climbing world. And from there, uh, all throughout high school, I was like traveling um, to do comps, the youth climbing series, um, and then eventually um, the adult climbing series. And eventually, like all of the the competition climbing kind of just brought me to climbing outside. Right. And, you know, what, what were your parents into it? And why, why did you pick that over like other things yeah, to do in Miami? It's a good, it's a good thing. My, my parents were not into it. You know, I, uh, I was the only one and, and I feel like they were super supportive of it. Um, but they, they weren't into it, you know, they, they were into me being into it, you know, like, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, my mom would travel all over the country with me, taking me to competitions. Um, when I was old enough to travel to Europe for competitions, she would bring me and my sister to Europe. Um, and you know, we'd go on, on like a summer vacation, right. I'd do a competition and then we'd go do some tourist stuff. I'd try to sneak away and go climbing outside and, you know, visited Seyus and, uh, Fontainebleau in France the first couple years when I was a kid and was just kind of that started to plant the seed for outdoor climbing. Um, but 
No, it was funny because most kids these days, their parents are into it. But yeah, mine weren't into it. But again, they were super supportive. I mean, um, from, you know, as high school for me was interesting. I was way more into climbing than anything else. And oftentimes I'd miss the first week of school and the last week of school um, because the, the first, the last week of school was typically when we had the U.S. Uh, national championships that I would always travel to. And then the first week of school was when we'd all go to Europe for the European Youth Championships. So they were pretty, you know, supportive of that. Um, my senior year in high school, I like did like a work study course where I'd go to the climbing gym and train, basically. Um, you know, I also worked at the climbing gym, but uh, they definitely like allowed me to, you know, really focus on on climbing. It's hard to like gauge your skill when you're in a place like that where it's so far from like other other climbers how how promising were is it like were people like well you're good or was it just that was like a that was like a really interesting like the first year uh it basically went like oh like you're the best climber in florida you know and it was like (laughs) and and basically like the the coaches that i had uh keenan and Derek wagner they they kind of just like beat me to submission to like force me to be humble. I, I don't know if they knew at the time that I was had potential, you know, they, they saw me as like an eager kid. And um, when I was like, did my first, I think I was 14 and I did my first national competition, you know, so this is climbers from all over the, the country and got third. I think everybody was like, whoa, okay. Like maybe he actually is good, but maybe it was a fluke, you know? Um, right, right. So that, that first year was definitely like shock and awe because, you know, I, I didn't know. I was just used to being, I was used to being good, but I also knew that I was in such a secluded kind of region of the country for climbing that, you know, after my first national competition, I was like, okay, like it's time to try even harder because, you know, if I live in Florida and I'm placing third, like I could do better than that if I just tried harder. So, you know, um, I think it had its pluses and its minuses being you know, super secluded. But then again, you know, I graduated high school and like immediately like, you know, went to Europe and then moved to Colorado. So you moved to Boulder, right? Yeah, I uh, basically graduated high school in 2002 and like skipped my high school graduation and went to Europe. Uh, I was competing in World Cups for the season and then moved straight to Boulder um, and kind of took a semester off and got situated here and was training and was kind of really focused on being a professional rock climber. And my parents really wanted me to go to college. So I I kind of, kind of pressed pause on, you know, seeking out like big sponsorships and stuff like that and kind of focused on going to school. And for me, that was like an awesome time because I ended up finding a school that I was really interested in what I studied. And it also just, you know, allowed me to, to be in Boulder and, and climb a lot. Um, I climbed a lot when I was in college and and I was still competing a fair bit, but, um, kind of towards like my sophomore year, junior year of college, I I started to realize that I was kind of over the competitions, uh, and started climbing outside more and eventually started trad climbing. And for me, it was one of those things that I was just, I don't know, sick of being in the gym all the time. And I knew in order for me to do really well in the comps, like you have to like climb in the gym. And I was having so much fun climbing outside. So, so when you first got there, was I don't know. Were you surprised by like? Did you have to keep your head down, or like, wow, I'm not 
a big fish in a small pond now or were you still like no I'm do- I'm doing pretty well um honestly when I was a kid there was no putting my head down <laughs> yeah I I was a little rowdy I uh yeah I definitely I don't know I was yeah I was into the whole scene and yeah I was you know I was still like super young and still really motivated to like kind of yeah push it and and still am, but in a different way, you know, back then it was like, um, hard to explain, but I would not say putting my head down was one thing that I, that I accelerated at, you know, like I definitely was loud and obnoxious and used to like play up being from Miami and wear like a white sports coat to competitions. And, you know, they called me Miami vice and, you know, <laughs> you, could, you could go from there. Oh my gosh. So, so you say you've changed. How have you changed? Well, you know, you get older a little bit and you're kind of like, okay, maybe it's, you know, maybe you don't have to be the loudest one all the time. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So uh, what what did you study in college? So I went to a school called Naropa University uh, in Boulder and studied, it's kind of like a liberal arts college. And I double majored actually in religious studies with the emphasis in Tibetan Buddhism and psychology. Um, and, and to be honest, it was... It was like one of those things that I I knew once I graduated, I wanted to be a professional climber. So I was like, why am I going to like go to school for something that I don't really care about at the moment? Uh, why don't I just go to school for something that I'm like super into? And that's what I did. Probably helped parents make them a little happy too, knowing you were in school still. Totally. I, yeah. don't, I don't think you were planning to be a monk or anything, but that's a that's an interesting uh feel this study tibetan buddhism why why that um yeah i mean i guess you know take trying to step back to the time i think it was i was just interested in it you know i think uh yeah i was introduced to some some buddhist philosophy books and stuff in high school and uh it just seemed like a a really cool school which it was it was super alternative learning styles and i kind of yeah i don't know i was really intrigued by it are you glad you did it? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, you know, now fast forward 15 years later, I have a business. I'm kind of like, oh, maybe it would have been helpful if you would have went to a business school. But honestly, like, I don't know, you could learn all that stuff. You know, it's like it was like it was a really special time in my life. And I was like really engaged in what I was learning. So and I, I don't think you can really like take that away, you know? No, I, I agree. And I'm I'm glad you... I'm glad you're talking about it because I don't know. I feel like college is getting a lot of hate lately with the price. And, you know, there is a lot of wrong with the system of, of higher education. But, man, I tell you what, I studied something that wasn't doesn't have anything to do with what I do now. I was just interested. And I'd say it opened my world up completely. It's not really applicable. It's not a huge job market for it. But just the experience that it brought with it has not made me money, but it's, it changed me forever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I definitely feel the same way. And it's like, I think it's good, like at that age to have some structure in school and yeah, yeah. kind of like to learn how to learn type of situation is, is really good. And, 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 and honestly, I do think that like, you know, a lot of these kids that like go right to business school, they get like kind of shoved in boxes, you know? And I think for me, like I graduated college and 2007 uh and then 
you know, I basically like put my life on a credit card and became a professional climber. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> right. I graduated college and went straight to Yosemite Valley, you know, like did the free rider. That was like that's how I got my start, you know. And then shortly after that I got sponsored by the North Face and, you know, I've spent the last, you know, 10, 12 years traveling being a professional climber until, you know, I still am, but you know, the last two years, I would say three years, you know, I've been splitting my life in, in half kind of with Alpine Start, my coffee company and being a professional climber. Athletic Brewing is pioneering non-alcoholic craft beer. Yeah, I said non-alcoholic craft beer. And there's a number of reasons you might want to do that. Whether you're training for an event, which a lot of our listeners are, or you know, if, you, if you're babysitting and don't want to be drunk in case something happens. I mean, stuff happens, but you still want to sit down and enjoy the game and have a beer. This is an incredible option for a full-flavored, full-bodied beer. Each can is only 50 to 70 calories with IPA, golden ales, stouts, and tons of seasonal offerings. Athletic Brewing is a great option if you want that craft brewery taste, uh, but not deal with the effects of alcohol itself. Uh, If you'd like to save 15% on your first order, go to athleticbrewing.com and use the code ADVENTURE at checkout. Now, now, uh, yeah, I want to talk about Alpine Surf, but it, what I like what you mentioned is if you're in school to make more money and just to be rich, I don't, I don't think you're there for the right reasons. It can be, but I, I think college is definitely meant to just open up your worldview and introduce you to things yeah. you never think you learn. And uh, I don't know about you, man, but a lot of business, like you said, I don't, I don't like when people get a degree in it because a lot of business is just really intuitive. It's really common sense based. Like, you know, make something that people like, spend more, spend less money than you make. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's, I know some not educated people that run a very successful business and it, and it seems more about how you treat people that makes it, makes it work. Totally. Yeah. I, I can't agree more. And, you know, in a lot of ways, my education and, you know, being a professional climber and like having partners and working with people have like prepared me more than, uh, for, for starting a business than for, any like business degree would have ever done, you know, sure. There's like details and, um, that, you know, fortunately, like I've created a team at Alpine start that, you know, can kind of fill in the gaps where I lack. (laughs) Right. Right. So, So can you tell us like, what were the first few steps or like big, uh, big breaks that kind of gave you a foothold in the professional climbing world? Cause that's a, that's a hard career to forge. Um, but it is, but you've, you've done it. You know, I think, um, I think one of the biggest things with that is, is timing is everything, um, with so many things in life. And, um, when I, so from the, I'll just take a quick step back from the competition climbing, I got really into single pitch trad climbing. Um, and that was because I felt like I was able to do something that pushed myself physically and mentally um, like competition climbing and climb these routes that were super difficult and really dangerous, um, most of the time. Um, so at the time there wasn't that many people climbing 514 trad routes, you know, there still isn't today, but back then there definitely wasn't that many at all. There was like a small handful in the United States. And I think, you know, that's was the biggest, you know, I put up this route in Eldorado Canyon called the iron monkey, 
that still only seemed like one true ascent. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, was one of the, the climbs for me that kind of put me in the map, so to say, and made me like, made people notice me beyond the competition climbing. And, you know, from there, I was able to get sponsored by the North Face, which was like the biggest, you know, they, those guys have kind of been the backbone of my climbing career um, for over a decade. And, and I think I, for, at first I got sponsored by them because, you know, I was doing something that just not that many people were doing, you know, um, and that's like adventure, single pitch, like going and putting up, you know, hard track climbs like in Colorado and eventually like started traveling internationally once I got sponsored by them. But, um, you know, this was before Instagram and Facebook were, were things, you know, like now you try to get sponsored and it's not just how good you are, but it's like, how many followers do you have and, and all of that stuff. Yeah, and, how social media savvy are social you? Social media. But back then it was a little bit different. Social media wasn't really a component. It was more of like, okay, like, are you accomplished? A, and then what's your potential and what's your willingness? You know, like, so for me, like the first couple of years I was sponsored by the North Face, like arguably like my hard, hardest climbs were, were done a little bit before and then years later, but because the first couple of years was just like, yes, 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 yes. You know, like, and I got to like do all these like crazy rad climbing trips that were adventures. And like, you know, I went to China like three times. I went to Nepal a couple times and, and really just like, it, um, that at the time was like, it was more of, it really took like a baseline of difficult, like accomplishments and then kind of the willingness to just be like, all right, sure. Like I don't need to make a lot of money. I just want to like, travel and do rad stuff which sounds really appealing but then you know like if that's how it had to be for me this this time like at this age like being gone for like nine months out of the year like it was a lot like <laughs> it took a lot yeah right, right. So, so can you can i just ask you because i've actually never had the chance what is being sponsored by a big company like that look like before social media did they approach you did you reach out to them how did that how did that work um, it was kind of a combination. I had some really good friends that were on the team already and they recommended me basically. They were like, okay, like, I think this guy's got potential, like you should sign him. Um, and I had a bunch of friends on the team that are still on the team, you know, Cedar Wright, Renan Oster, um, Emily Harrington and I signed with the North Face the same year. Um, Daniel Wood signed the year before us. Um, so, you know, it was, uh, I think it, back then it was like word of mouth. Like, what have you done? Like, obviously, like I've been featured in Rock and Ice and Climbing Magazine. And, um, you know, so th th there was information about me. You know, there still was the Internet and forums and stuff like that. So, like, they were able to, like, gather stuff. But, you know, yeah, now it's, like, totally different. It's, like, you have to, like, build a personal brand. And I, I think all the people in my generation, like, we kind of got lucky. If we got a big sponsor back then, you know, we had these brands help create our brands in some ways you know like help kind of usher our own social medias along and like all that stuff it's definitely a a much different playing field now to be a professional athlete than it was when i started over a decade ago yeah and, and how has it changed for you because you established your not brand but like your name beforehand how has this rise in social media changed the way you you do, you do your, your brand. Do you, do you like it or? I don't know, man. You know, every day is different. You know, sometimes I find it to be super annoying and I find it, I look at like social media to be like a job and I'm like, this sucks. Like, ugh. 
like it's so annoying and then other times i'm like sweet like it's cool like this is like part of this is work and shoot there's like worse work to be doing you know and um but it's a balance of like trying to be yourself and be authentic and uh still like kind of like promote the brands that you know you work for but i don't know like what my life is so different now it's seeming than it was when i first started being a professional climber because back then i just i literally only focused on climbing everything took a backseat like relationships like everything in life like took a backseat to climbing and i think that's just also growing up you know like i was like in my early 20s like i gave zero about everything except for climbing and now like as in you know like i'm turning 35 this year and i like to ski you know like i like to do other things i have a business like social media is like a whole other component that didn't exist it's like another business um so you just end up like kind of like splitting your time dividing things up so for me you know like i skied this weekend i took the weekend off from training for climbing and skied and have fun and monday morning rolled around and i woke up at six o'clock and went to the climbing gym and trained and now like i'm you know doing this podcast from uh, the alpine start office you know uh, and I'll, I'll be here for a couple hours and then i'll go back to the gym and train a little bit more um and that's kind of you know like the days of my week kind of are balanced between like climbing being at alpine start and skiing and then you know like the year is done the same way you know like i traveled a lot uh, earlier in the year and the end of last year on some like kind of big one kind of expedition one just fun ski trip and then you know i was home for two months and then march i'll be traveling for climbing um and then i'll be home in april and may and june so it's it's definitely a, a juggle and it's more i don't know i think it's more fulfilling because it's kind of cool to like you know like go on a climbing trip and then come home and like be working on cool projects with Alpine start, you know, it's definitely like, Oh, it's not sending 514, but like, you know, launching a new product or like getting your hands dirty, like trying to create a new product is a, it's its own fulfilling thing. It's yeah. I like what you're saying. Cause uh, like, what are the chances climbing's the only thing you're passionate about? Because your life, you only have so much time to try things you don't know if there's something in you that's more passionate. You just haven't even tried yet. And so when life kind of forces you into these roles, you know, due to injury or due to just circumstance, if you can look at it as opportunity, I, I think that's really, really awesome. And if you can hold on to that passion your whole life, even better. But it's it's awesome how when you mature, you see these other things that you probably thought before, oh, that sounds like, that sounds terrible. It's really, really fulfilling. Like business. Totally. You, you probably yeah. didn't think when you were studying Buddhism <laughs> that you'd ever be a businessman. <laughs> no, not at all. And, and, you know, I guess at the end of the day, that is like the cool thing about life. Like when I was like 14 years old, like training for competitions in the U S like never did I ever think that I would be sponsored by the North face, you know, like and right. be a professional climber that's like traveling the world to go climbing. And then, you know, once I got sponsored by the North face and like was a climber for so many years, never did I ever think that I would like start my own business, you know, and like create a product that people buy in the stores. Like I still go to Whole Foods and see Alpine start on the shelf and I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. <laughs> right, right. Well, what, you know, why don't you just go ahead and tell us that? Cause, uh, we, I send people backpacking. I do, I plan self-guided backpacking trips with my partner 
and we wanted people wanted coffee so we started looking around and we we picked alpine start and people love it and i looked into it and saw that you had co-founded and and uh once we acquired the podcast, I'm like, man, I'd love to have him on to talk about that. I use it all the time myself, and I just want to know what what led to that idea. How did how did you come How did you come into the coffee world, instant coffee world of all things? So you know the story. Like I don't know. I guess I um I was uh, climbing on an expedition in the Bugaboos in Canada and spending the whole. You know, I would go there and just auger for like months at a time, like in the mountains for two months, you know, just like living out of a tent and blah, blah, blah. And realized that, I don't know, coffee is such a huge part of my life and so many climbers lives and so many people's lives in general. And and, and kind of was on this trip and just realized that, like, if you want instant coffee, that's not, you know, Nescafe, like in a single serve form for like backpacking or big wall climbing. Starbucks was the only one that was doing it. Right. Um, so I don't know, my kind of wheels. And it was at the time where I guess this was like three years ago. So I was like 30 and realizing that, you know, I didn't really want to be a professional climber my whole life. And it was like, oh, should I become? A, I was there with my buddy Will Stanhope and he was like training to be like a full rock guide and was kind of going through like his core stuff with him and i was like do i want to do this like do i want to commit to like being a guide like that seems kind of crazy um and eventually i came home and brought the idea to my business partner alex hannafin who was a kind of my girlfriend's roommate at the time who had like worked in the natural food space and it took us a while to really motivate but eventually we like motivated and she kind of shopped the idea around with friends and and uh thought it was a good idea so it's kind of like my vision and then her expertise in the natural food world was what really got us off the ground i want to take a second to tell you about the nomadic it's a subscription box curated for outdoor enthusiasts by outdoor enthusiasts so each month you get a hand-picked selection of the latest and greatest outdoor gear that's been trip tested and approved by the Nomadic product team, which is made up of guides, athletes, and you know, bona fide adventurers. They partner with brands like Mountainsmith, Gear Aid, Sea Line, Mizu, Empowered, RX Bar, and a lot more. This month's theme is relaxed to the max. So one item inside is an exclusive hammock by Lawson Hammocks, an award-winning hammock maker who's been voted number one by Backpacker and Outside Magazine. So order by May 14th to get this box. So get quality gear by Brands You Trust delivered right to your doorstep monthly. Learn more at thenomadic.com slash ASP. This episode is also sponsored by CS Instant Coffee, 100% Arabica coffee with compostable packaging. And you can find them at csinstant.coffee and use Adventure at checkout for 20% off. So what were the first few, I don't know, steps for you? Was it, I mean, how how, how involved were you? Did you kind of hand the idea over to them, or did you all work together pretty evenly? Oh, no, we worked together drastically. So we, at, at first, we um, were like, oh, do we want to, do we want to try to like make our own product out of our own facility? And uh, we kind of realized that we didn't want to do that because um, that would just take a ton of capital. And this was like, we weren't raising any money. This was like, you know, my credit card and Alex's credit card. And basically what we did is we kind of 
did a ton of research and found a bunch of facilities that were making instant coffee and um, started working with them and finding, you know, the facilities that were doing the best work and eventually like found a great partner to create um, our original blend. So it was a lot of basically the first like six months of this process was just tasting a lot of really shitty instant coffee. <laughs> so did this fulfill anything for you pursuing this? What, what, what was it that kept you pursuing this idea? Did you just enjoy the process? Um, that's a good question. It, it, there was definitely like the beginning was hard because, you know, we just kept getting bad batches and tasting stuff and was like, Oh, this doesn't work. And then, and then like the, the thoughts of the future kind of like really started to motivate me and, and creating a brand, you know, I had the name from the start, um, just because, you know, Alpine started climbing is getting up super early. Um, so yeah. And then I think once we like had our product in our hands, it was really motivating to like, to like see something that you made, you know? Yeah, I can imagine. Well, seeing an idea go from your head into your hand is a cool process. Totally. Yeah. And then what? What did you do? Just push it out as much as you could? Yeah, basically, we started really small. We did direct sales on our website. We got into a couple small retailers and then got into like Whole Foods regionally. Um, REI took us on nationwide. Um, which was like a really big step for us. And then we started growing our team, um, you know, slowly and slowly. So at first it was just Alex and I and my sister, uh, Amy did a lot of the early design work and graphic design, um, and branding stuff. And then we brought on, uh, Michael Crouch who came from the pet food industry and he kind of really dialed in all of our operations and, you know, everybody's still here. Um, so yeah. Wow. So, so what has the journey been like for you? Is, is it, I mean, do you, st- do you enjoy what it's becoming? Do you enjoy working on it? And what's your role now? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, my role is I've kind of just call myself the founder and do a lot of, you know, kind of random things from marketing stuff to like high level decisions of like where we're going to go, um, what new products we're going to do. Uh, the last couple of weeks I've been focusing on, new products, um, where, where we're going to take the company right now. We have, uh, three products on the market. We have our original blend coffee. We have a dirty chai and a coconut creamer. Um, this week we're also launching probably by the time this goes live, we're launching a a bulk jar, um, which is super cool. So not in single serve, uh, it's 30 servings of our original blend in one container. Um, which has been a cool project for me. It's like kind of, uh, we're launching that along with our commitment to 1% for the planet and we're partnering with protect our winners. So it's kind of like a a cool sustainability story because, you know, we wanted to create a product that had a little less packaging as well. Um, Mm. but yeah, that's, I guess I do whatever needs to get done here most of the time. Um, and still balance trying to be a climber too. Yeah, I can imagine. So, so what's the hardest aspect of, running a business for you? It's just the time. I mean, I by no means can I say I run the business nowadays, you know, but, uh, you know, it's just in order to be productive with the business, like I need to be here, you know, and there's only like so many hours in the day to climb. There's only so many hours a day to ski. I still go on trips a year. 
Um, and, you know, I'm just realizing, you know, I'm way more productive and helpful to the company when I'm here and not when I'm gone, you know, so. What's come easy for you then with uh, balancing all this together? What's come easy? Uh, honestly, we, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think we had a really good, a good launch basically and kickoff. And I think people in the outdoor industry like often recognize me um, from some of the films I've been in or climbing stuff. And that's really helped us carry uh, our core consumer and our brand. And, and now we're just really uh, kind of pushing to get into larger grocery conventional retailers, which is its challenge. Yeah, man, that's just, I mean, if someone would have told you, you'd be making instant coffee and be a professional climber. It's hard to believe where life takes you, man. It's pretty cool. It is. It is. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been a good journey. It's definitely had its challenges for sure. Um, but again, at the end of the day, it's uh, I don't know, it's, it's motivating to, to have something besides climbing. I, th I think it's made my climbing uh, be a, a lot more kind of diligent and really pick and choose. Like I'm not saying yes to every expedition anymore, but I'm like, OK, which ones do I really want to do and why do I really want to do them? And is it worth it for me mm. to go and do it? Yeah. So, so what's coming up for you and what kind of new things are you looking into? I, I asked because I, I recently watched a, uh, a film of a, a scooter ride you did that was, uh, very <laughs> yeah, that was dumb and dumber esque. I love yeah, it. That was a, that was a fun little side project. Freedom of the wheels. We did that me and Will a couple winters ago when we, we drove our scooter from Boulder to Aspen um and that was just a fun little thing and and, and I, I might do some more stuff like that too just because it, it's fun but uh i also i'm heading to mexico on sunday to go to the copper canyon for a week to climb el gigante um with maddie hong and savannah cummings which should be a fun kind of mission maddie's never really climbed a big wall before so um it'll be cool to like kind of take him and like let him loose a little bit and see what happens there. And then, uh, after that, um, heading down to South America for a big North face event to Santiago, Chile. Um, and then kind of home for a while. And then I will, um, still kind of ironing out some summer, summer plans. Um, probably try to go to Europe and climb a little bit and maybe Canada. Now, when you go on these expeditions, it, it, what, what's the purpose behind them other than climbing? Or is it getting material for promotions with these companies? And what does that look like for you? Um, you know, Mexico's kind of funny because it, it is just a fun climbing trip, though both Savannah and Maddie are photographers, so we'll definitely shoot some photos. Um, Chile's not really an expedition. It's just an event. Um, and then it's a balance of both of, you know, nowadays, like of like, finding an objective you know honestly like most of the trips that i'm going on now are objective driven first and like try to figure out how to get cool content afterwards um i'm not really going on trips just to get content basically like i don't have i'd rather just yeah i don't i don't really there's not enough time to do to do everything <laughs> right. to do that kind of stuff so hopefully it all aligns typically and you know you get to go and send something you really want to send that's hard or put up a new route and, and you can get cool photos. That's like the ideal scenario. Cool. Well, any, any new sports you're getting into? Uh, not besides skiing. I was into paragliding a lot uh, a couple of years ago and I got into a really bad accident uh, about a year and a half ago and broke a bunch of, broke my body basically. So I 
have been flying since um, and, and have kind of just gotten really psyched on winter skiing and I'm um, doing a bunch of that kind of stuff, little ski mountaineering stuff. And um, yeah, psyched on keeping the sport simple, skiing and climbing at the moment. So I take it you weren't injured too bad on that paragliding accident to the point where it's like it kept you from doing anything you want to do now. Uh, I'm still recovering for sure. I'm not a hundred percent. I mean, I broke like a dozen bones in my body, like including like my neck and my back and both arms. So I'm definitely, it's not, you know, I think in another six months, I'm hoping that I could like forget about it. Uh, but it's still definitely like a, a working process. <laughs> yeah. That wow. was bad accident. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, man, be careful out there. Jeez. I'd hate for you to just have coffee. No, I know. That's, <laughs> that, that wouldn't be good. I, I need it all. You need yeah. it all. Oh, cool. So, so what do you, uh, what, what's a piece of advice you could give somebody that, that's loves what they're doing? Um, maybe they're just really into their sport. They're young, uh, but they want to create a lifestyle that's a little more sustainable as they get older. Um, you know, I hate to put you on the spot like that. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, what I did when I was a kid is I just kind of really just mono focused on the one thing that, you know, brought me happiness and, and kind of just tried to learn as much along the way, you know, like, sure, I was like, really focused on climbing. But I think, you know, being that focused on something uh, really does teach you how to be focused on other things. So I think, you know, if you truly are really passionate about one thing, then just roll with it, you know. I think, you know, that's what I did and it seems to be working out. Um, so, and I don't know how else to do it besides that, you know? Right. So, so, so there's really no, I mean, you could be doing something completely different in two years if that's the way your path went. Totally. Yeah. I, there, I mean, good and bad. There's no way to know what's going to happen around each corner. And then, I mean, you seem to keep an open mind about it all as well as a good attitude. And that's probably half the battle right there. Yeah. And I think that is half the battles, you know, to roll with the punches, so to say, and to, you know, um, yeah, be positive and, you know, it might not work out, but, um, if you're really passionate about something and really thoroughly enjoy it, you know, then, then do it. I mean, I would just be careful at not making sure you're doing things for the right reasons, you know, like don't mm -hmm. like try to climb things for sponsors or for photos or stuff like that. Make sure that your intentions are set. Um, so maybe that's the better thing is I, I don't know. I can't give the best advice on how to go about it, but I could say how not to go about it. And that's like, make sure you're always, your intentions are always like you're, you know, your intentions and you're okay with your intentions. Yeah. Even if it is like, I'm going to do this for a photo, like make sure you're aware of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think when you try to do something inauthentically like that, if it's trying to build a career, or get sponsored. I don't know. It comes across even on social media. I feel like it comes across and it's people see that and recognize it. And it's, it's a huge turnoff from, from your quote brand. Totally. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, man. I, I really appreciate you being on. Uh, I congrats, I guess on such an interesting and uh cool life and for just taking the road wherever it leads. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Appreciate it. And we're, we're looking forward to, uh, Continue using Alpine Start and all our backpacking kits.
People Sounds love it. Good. All right, man. Well, good luck on all your trips coming up and have a great time. I'm sure you will. Yeah. I know how to do that. All right, man. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. Well, first of all, thank you so much for listening to this episode. It really means the world to us that you want to spend your time with us. If you'd like to help us further, please just leave us a review on iTunes, share us on social media, tell your friends about us. You can become a patron, a supporter of the show for $5 a month at patreon.com slash adventuresportspodcast. And if you know somebody that would make a good guest, reach out. We're always looking for good adventure and outdoor stories. And lastly, thank you to our sponsors whose messages follow right now. Athletic Brewing makes the best non-alcoholic craft beer. Go to their website at athleticbrewing.com and use the code in our show notes to save 15% on your first order. The Nomadic, the first outdoor subscription box that helps you go on more adventures with the latest gear by delivering themed monthly boxes with innovative products and an outdoor challenge to match. Learn more at thenomadic.com ASP. After all this adventure talk, if you're needing some gear yourself, but you need some advice before buying, go to backpacktribe.com where you can ask questions to the owners who have experience with all the gear as well as all of it for sale right there on their website.